0: a stu- stu- studio d production
1: watch out for a minute three sec- you know like at three seconds in- or I, I can't even do numbers <laughs> at three minutes and 42 seconds in salem just couldn't wait for her booze any longer <laughs> <laughs>
2: In YouTube videos, when they put the little captions over it, but yeah, we don't have captions in the audio. No, that would be hard to. So you, you have just to have read us. through at while listening. Yeah, you just, well, you just have to. You have to have an over overdub narration for
1: the yeah. podcast
2: commentary on our own podcast. In a couple of seconds, you're going to hear Salem reach for the white claws. That would be so confusing to have our own voices <laughs> over our voices <laughs> like commentary it, on ourselves. People, people already can't tell us apart. And <laughs> then we have two of each of us. We, we would drive people mad. mad. Oh my God. All all right,
0: sit down, ready. I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. It's <laughs> up. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime. I'm Salem. And I'm Hannah. And joining us today is Kelly. Hello, everyone. And Jess.
1: Hi, she's back. Jess
0: is back. The sisters have reunited.
2: Oh, that reminds me, I have a present for you both from Alaska. I didn't get one for you, Hannah. I'm sorry. I'm so deeply. (laughs) She's not a sister. (laughs) That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, I'm just gonna get for my sisters, and then I regretted it and felt sad. I am a sister to somebody. You are a sister, (laughs) and
1: tell your sister to buy you something. I was gonna say, if your sister
2: goes on vacation. Yeah, where's your you souvenir
1: from Salida? Yeah.
2: Well, her
0: trip just
3: like a
2: pine cone. short a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and the smoke ruined their vacation. I know. It's so smoky here. It's pretty it is ridic- really horrible. Sorry.
1: I oh, don't know. It's pretty ridiculous. Is the fact that the smoke's not even from our state, too, is just... Ugh.
3: Yeah. I know. Go bother someone else, smoke. <laughs> we have enough of our own forest fires to create smoke <laughs> you know. for us. We don't need your help.
0: Stay in california i feel bad for california though i feel bad for everybody and this is gonna be like a regular thing now every year
1: yeah
2: well i mean it really is and like in fact we've had a really knock on wood good season so far in colorado by the time this airs there will be some devastating (laughs) fire most likely well so far colorado has been pretty good so there is a part of me that's like it's really shitty to have to deal with this smoke when we don't even have fires. We've but...
3: just had all those terrible mudslides because of the That's big fires true. from last year. That is yeah. true, and
2: because it's not been burning, and we've had liquid. We've had liquid. Yeah. We've had liquid, <laughs> we've had liquid, you mean, liquid like rain from the sky. <laughs> Do you mean rain? What is it? <laughs> I think I was trying to say moisture. Like we've had more moisture this year. <laughs> we've had liquid. Liquid.
0: Oh. So how's everybody been doing? So um so last night <laughs> we watched some UFC fights. It was really nice getting the family together again and doing something, but we had a hot wing challenge. We did have a hot yeah, wing challenge. That was fun and Kelly was amazing cuz she put it all together. She planned oh. it and bought the sauces and
2: made the the chicken and it was yeah. good. It was funny because I was commenting to Matt on how much meat I touched and dealt with yesterday. <laughs> I had like 12 pounds of chicken wings and a whole bunch of meatballs <laughs> I had to form
3: with my hands. That's not very vegan. Yeah, you. I know.
2: <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not vegan. I know. But it's also not very vegetarian. To it me. is not. No, but that's OK. But we
0: all appreciated it very much. Yeah, it was worth it. Was it. Yeah, it was fun. And more people than I expected made it all the way through.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm being Kelly. <laughs> I did not expect me to make
2: it all the that way through. That was pretty cool. I still have some regrets, but I did it <laughs> with cauliflower. If anyone's curious, it yeah. was fun. Some yeah. of the sauces tasted really good, and some of them were just awful. Double burning bomb is hell. the
0: worst. I'm sorry, it truly is. But I mean, we all understand why it's not really a hot sauce,
2: <laughs> and like you get why Hot Ones puts it on their show because it's funny to watch people suffer. And I went home last night and watched the video, <laughs> and it was funny to watch
3: people <laughs>
2: suffer. Like everyone, like we're all lined up in this nice row, and generally people are eating and like reacting and like maybe a little bit of moving back and forth and talking, and then we eat a bomb, and everyone's just like moving around the kitchen <laughs> and like moving into other rooms, like people. <laughs> Disappear. People are bending over. They're, like it's just this like chaotic, like
1: mass of movement. Lots of open mouthed panting. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, I'm
3: so sad. I missed it. It was pretty hilarious. I'll show you
2: the video. It's oh good. my god. Yes, <laughs> we,
0: we plan to do another one at some point. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe now is the time that we need to shamelessly plug our podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, you know, send us an email. Um, we're open to suggestions for shows uh we are open to suggestions for making our lives better i don't know we're open to you <laughs> know send me a five minute
2: crafts video i'll watch it yeah I don't know. no <laughs> five minute crafts are the devil <laughs> <laughs> they are they they put no, out I misinformation They're terrible they, they are awful send us a video from a content creator that is good and that is genuinely Troom, Troom? creating content for us, not a content not Troom, farm. Troom. I don't even know
3: what that is. It's basically five-minute crafts. But I think Troom Troom is Russian. I don't is know. Is it a
2: content farm or is yeah, it like a nice no, lady? A well, then farm. no. Give me a nice lady who is making videos of crafts. There you go. Sorry to interrupt. That's your task.
3: Either way, send it to us. Send it to
2: us at uh, FFSThepodcast
0: at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook. FFS the podcast. No, F'd, no, up, F'd family up family <laughs> story time. Or um, on Twitter, FFS the podcast. I don't know. Yep.
3: Yeah, I <laughs> <And> think so. <laughs> this is not really Belle's job.
2: <laughs> Belle isn't here today. Um, Just Google yeah. FFS the podcast and F'd up family
3: story yes, time. <laughs> either one would bring you us. to us.
0: And uh, leave us a review on whatever platform you You listen, but if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, that actually helps us out a lot. Leave us a review, valorate us. Good? Yeah. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this week we have a story from Hannah. It's actually going to be a multiple parter. It's a big one. Yeah. This is going to be our first, like, two parter or more, maybe.
3: Yeah. I Um, hope, I hope. Not no. too
0: many. <laughs> this will be
3: our first
2: seven-parter. Um, and I, I don't know what the story is, but I'm hearing it's pretty messed up. So yes, multiple there, episodes of some uh-huh. pretty messed it's, up it's content. It's a real heavy
3: hitter. Woo. Um, I'm just excited to not have to research this anymore. <laughs> 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 because my life has been consumed for the past, like, three weeks. <laughs> so angry. All
2: right. What is it? What's the story? What's the story? So, uh,
3: I am telling the story of the West Memphis three. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to start out with my sources. You had quite a bit of sources. I have quite a bit of sources. My main sources that I used. Um, so I read the devil's not the true story of the West Memphis three by Mara Leverett, paradise lost, which is a series of three documentaries by HBO, um, produced by Joe Burlinger and Bruce Sanofsky. I also watched West of Memphis, which is a documentary produced by Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, and directed by Amy J. Berg. I wait. wait.
2: The Hobbit people.
3: It's yeah, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they you'll find out later. They were very involved in like the latter part of this case. It's pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, I listened to the four part series that Morbid, the podcast, did on the West Memphis Three. Mm-hmm. I listened to the three-part podcast that last podcast on the left did on West Memphis Three, and... Um... That's it. I was going to say that I read Life After Death by Damien Eccles, but I did not read that. We bought it. <laughs> we bought it. I never read it.
0: I kind of skimmed it, meaning I basically read the description that's on the back, you know, cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was as far as I got. Well, and a lot
3: of that information is in those two podcasts that I listened to. And so, yeah, I was like, I don't have time yeah, to read that... a whole nother book.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where I got most I am of busy. my information. So if anybody's um, kind of confused. I am Hannah's second, so I also helped yes. to research this. And I got really into it, probably put more research into it than I've done, like some of the stories that were
2: mine. So. <laughs> and if anyone is confused with what a second is, it's like in dueling. <laughs> if Hannah dies, Salem takes over the story.
3: Yep. If for some reason I'm Hannah like, cannot continue, I'm
2: her assistant,
3: that's all. Okay, so let's get into this. So the story of the West Memphis Three starts on May 5th, 1993, in West Memphis, Arkansas, when three eight-year-old boys, Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore were brutally murdered. Almost a year later, 17-year-old Jesse Kelly and 16-year-old Jason Baldwin would be sentenced to life in prison, while 18-year-old Damien Echols would be sentenced to death for these crimes. So in the afternoon of May 5th, Stevie, Christopher, and Michael were all outside playing together when they went missing. The first parent to report report the boys missing was Christopher Byers' adoptive father, John Mark Byers. He called the police at around 8 p.m. on May 5th, and he said that Christopher was last seen cleaning the yard at 5.30 p.m. So the responding officer left the Byers' house and was dispatched to a Bojangles in the area, and they arrived at 8.42 p.m., At the Bojangles, the manager reported a bleeding black man had entered the restroom about a half an hour earlier, and they had entered the woman's restroom. The man seemed disoriented and had wandered away from the restaurant a few minutes before the police officer had arrived. Employees had entered the restroom after the man left and noticed that blood was spread all over the walls. Um, The police officer took a statement, but didn't investigate any further on the incident. In fact, they didn't even enter the restaurant and then they left to respond to a separate call at around 9.01 p.m. The next parent to report a child missing was Dana Moore, Michael Moore's mother, who uh, reported her kid missing at around 9.24 p.m. Michael was last seen by her riding bikes with Christopher Byers and Stevie Branch. When she lost sight of them, she told her daughter to go and find the boys, but she couldn't find them. And this was around 6 p.m. that night. Around the same time that Dana Moore had... Reported Michael missing. A second officer was responding to a call from Pamela Hobbs, who is Stevie Branch's mother. Pam had been at work that night. Um, around 9 p.m., she had been picked up at her work by her husband, Terry Hobbs, who is Stevie's stepfather. Terry had walked right past Pam uh, to the pay phone at the restaurant and began calling someone. He didn't tell her who it was, and she was like, that's kind of weird. So she went out to her car where she saw her daughter, Amanda, sitting in the car, but she didn't see Stevie. So she asked Amanda where Stevie was. Amanda had said that they couldn't find Stevie, and then Terry told Pam that he had just called the police on the phone. Pam reported seeing Stevie last after school when they left the house with Michael Moore around 3.30 p.m.,
2: Okay, so let me summarize the order of events, make sure I get it. Yes. So it was Christopher, uh family reported first. His mm-hmm. adopted father reported first. Then there was the incident at the Bojangles uh, with the man, black man bleeding in the bathroom. Yes. And then it was... Dana Moore, who's Michael,
0: Michael Moore's My mom,
1: and around the same time, Stevie Branches yes. was reported.
0: Yep. yep, Yep, you got it.
1: I don't know about you guys, but even though it was 1993, I feel like... Y- You before 930 at night, you you should should
3: report your eight year old missing. Yeah. And I thought that, too. It's weird because I thought initially that they had reported them missing closer to when they had gone missing. But it was like at least a couple of hours before John Mark Spires even reported christopher missing and he was the first one to report that any of them were missing But that was like around dinner
0: time right he reported christopher missing around dinner time around which is eight eight, eight is right, when he around eight police. o'clock so that i could kind of sense see to me because actually. it's light getting light out later Kids have a tendency to kind of push it. I could see pacing around but not yet calling not the police. Like you guys yeah. have been like missing before. And there were times where I was like pacing, calling George, like I'm really worried. He's like, you know, they'll be they're
3: fine. They probably something just happened, you know, on the way home from school and they got sidetracked or whatever. Yeah, I think the main factor for them calling and reporting them missing, was that it was getting dark outside. So, so like once it started getting dark, they were like, this is weird. They should be home by now. They're yeah. just eight years old. So I could see that. The 9.30 maybe is kind of late. But... but that was just when Pam had just gotten off exactly. of work. Exactly. And she had no idea that Stevie was missing that whole day. And you have to I, remember, it this wasn't... is
0: before cell phones. This is before you could like oh, yeah. keep tabs on your kids. You just trust they're where they're supposed
2: to be. But Pam wasn't the one who reported. It was the father I was, and he waited until, until after he picked he probably was like ah shit she's gonna be all scared i gotta do something now i picked her up they, from work or whatever <laughs> and like now i gotta
3: they probably may,
1: they may have been driving around looking for the kid i don't know well and but,
3: terry had said that he was with amanda looking for stevie the whole day
1: um mine was more the middle reporting because wasn't it like 9 20 um, she, was yeah, at she was the one who no, was Dana no, Moore, was
3: Michael Moore's mother and didn't she, report until 924 that night and she
1: sent her daughter to look for him. Oh, but OK,
3: so but <clears throat> let's I, not I judge.
0: No, again,
3: I can understand
0: being concerned. I mean, this is also back when you were told they're not going to do anything about a kid that's yeah. missing less than 24 hours. It was the anyway? early 90s like, you
1: know, so <laughs> you don't jump the gun. I mean, we know Kelly was eight in 93, so... I was eight in 1993. That was weird. Oh, you
2: were? I was. was I was also in West Memphis, Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, not that second
0: part. (laughs) Never been to West...
3: West West, West, West West Memphis.
2: Memphis.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Been to Arkansas, but not West Memphis. accidentally went to West Memphis once. Oh, yeah? uh, Because Lark went to Memphis one year... And there's that bridge. I I don't think it was technically West Memphis yet, but there's that bridge that connects Memphis and Arkansas. And we accidentally drove across the bridge instead of like going to our Airbnb, which is right on the riverfront. Mm -hmm. So a group of us drove into Arkansas and we were like, this isn't Tennessee. (laughs) So it's possible that i have been to west memphis maybe <laughs> could you just
2: feel it you were just like crossing the bridge <laughs> this feels different than tennessee well there is a
3: sign that said welcome to arkansas <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> that probably helps we we're like oh shit <laughs> so can i ask a question you may want to cut out but it's purely for me
3: what's a bojangles is that a restaurant yeah it's a restaurant in the south it's a chicken restaurant i'm pretty sure it's like a fast food chain and
1: is it named after the guy from the song Mr. Bojangles.
3: Mr. Bo- oh, I don't jangles. know. The main thing okay. is that Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore are all missing at this point. Okay, It is after dark. All of the parents have alerted the police and are now starting searching for them. And there was night. an incident
2: at the Bojangles. There was an incident
3: at the Bojangles.
2: Which that may or may not be. May or may not have been related. Be related but the way that you put it in the sequence of events, I feel like just it an, might be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All
3: right. Well, and it's also important because it was the same police officer that responded to I the see. initial call of a child being missing. Okay. Thank you for the recap. Yes. Okay. So as parents started searching for the boys, other residents s- reported seeing the three of them riding their bikes near a wooded area dubbed Robin Hood Hills. Um, Just on the other side of Robin Hood Hills was a very busy highway, one of the busiest interstates in the country, actually, and a truck stop, a Blue Beacon truck stop, like, especially after dark, even kids knew and especially the parents knew that, like, don't be in Robin Hood Hills because it's very dangerous. There could be a lot of people at the truck stop. There's a highway on the other side. So if you go through, like, you could get hit by a car or it's also just a wooded area. So, like, that in and of itself is dangerous at dark. So the fact that not, that all three of these boys were missing after it had already turned dark was very concerning. Jess is taking notes.
2: What? Wow. I should do that. <laughs> then I wouldn't have to ask you seven times. Can you please repeat what you just
3: said? Recap that for me. I just need to know exactly. <laughs> so the night of May 6th, there was no organized police search for the children? Um, but a few people, including the two responding officers, attempted to go into the woods to look for the children. But in May, and especially at night, um, there were a lot of mosquitoes in that area. So they were all kind of driven back from the woods because of the sheer amount of mosquitoes that were there. We want to try and save these kids. But man, there's some bugs.
2: <laughs> icky bug. <laughs> off. I don't know. They had off back then. <laughs> <laughs> they did.
0: Spray yourself with off and go find the poor little missing kid. I, th- I think but it I'd truly was. I know because there was, I'm sure it was a, a wall of mosquitoes. Yeah. It is Arkansas, and there was okay. a,
3: di- a drainage ditch going through the center of the woods, and so there the... was that stagnant water, Ugh. and okay. so it was just like w- truly overrun with mosquitoes. You okay. like you'd need like the mis- bee, like the beekeeper suit. <laughs> yeah, <or whatever.
2: laughs> yeah. I have a picture of me in one of those. <laughs> do you have one? I do. Well, no, I don't have. No, sorry, I used one in oh Alaska, and I have a picture. I of me. wear it. I know. It's <laughs> great um, yes i removed my judgment that makes sense
3: <laughs> so on the morning of may 6th 1993 gary gitchell the lead detective for the west memphis police began a search for the three boys that grew as the day went on steve jones who was a juvenile correctional officer had offered to help in these searches um, jones was canvassing the robin hood hills area when he and another officer spotted shoes floating in the water of a drainage ditch that ran through the woods, and they were um, laceless tennis shoes. So Mike Allen, the police officer who was with Steve Jones, rushed to where Jones had found the shoes and jumped into the water to continue searching. As he was walking through the water, Allen felt something hit his feet, and a pale, naked body rose to the surface of the water. At around 1.45 p.m. on May 6, 1993, the body of Michael Moore was discovered. Brian Ridge, an investigative detective, continued to search for the other two children while wandering through the water. Ridge found a stick that had been shoved into the mud, and at the end of the stick was children's clothing wrapped around the end. It was a white t-shirt wrapped around the edge of the end of the stick that was shoved into the mud. So Ridge decided to move Michael's body from the water to the bank And after this, he found more clothing shoved into the mud with the sticks. He found pretty much all of the clothing. The only clothing that was missing was a single sock and two pairs of underwear.
2: So all of Michael's clothing was all of Michael's clothing was
3: discovered, as well as some of the clothing that the other two boys were described as wearing.
1: Okay.
3: they found all three of the pairs of pants that the boys were wearing. All of them were buttoned and zipped up, but two of them were inside out, which is very strange, very odd. You button. I'm
2: immediately triggered by like when you're pulling someone's clothes off really quickly, how it or your no, own clothes, would go, like how it would turn and inside an eight out. an eight-year-old boy would be skinny enough you may not have to like
0: um, button his pants, yeah. yeah.
3: Further down the stream, Ridge dislodged Stevie Branch's body from the mud and then Christopher, Christopher Byer's body shortly after. All three of the boys were naked and their hands and legs were tied behind them, almost like a backwards hog tie, but not exactly like that. It was kind of weird the way that they were tied. Their wrists and their ankles were tied together um, but not all of them together like an actual hog tie. So like your, their wrists were together and their ankles were together? Their left wrist was to their left ankle and their oh, right wrist was to their right oh. ankle. Um, all three were bound by the shoelaces from their own shoes.
0: Weren't two of the boys tied with the same kind of knots and one was with a different yes. kind of
3: knot? Yes. So um, I believe it was Oh God. Oh God. Christopher Byers, I think, is the one who had – no, it was Stevie Branch. Stevie Branch – I'm not going to say that definitively. Cut all that out. But one of um, of the boys was tied with two separate kinds of knots on each, um, like, wrist and ankle. But the other two boys were tied with the same exact knot. And so it's, like, assumed that there were at least two people – because okay. all of a sudden there was one knot that didn't match. But if it
0: was just one knot, maybe it could be other things. If there was struggling, well, if there was, was difficulty tying it,
3: maybe it's he also went for odd that knot. there were two separate knots used on one of the boys. Yeah, it just implies that there may have been more than one person there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Moore appeared to have been severely beaten in the head. Stevie Branch also appeared to have been beaten, and the left side of his face had deep wounds that were possibly described as bite marks. Ooh, this is really terrible and where it gets really graphic. I know it's already been graphic, but Christopher Byers had severe genital mutilation. He had essentially been castrated and his scrotum was removed and his penis was skinned. <gasps> and there were also deep stab wounds found near the genital area of Christopher Byers. Um, he was the only one of the boys that had any kind of genital mutilation.
2: Do you know? And maybe this this is not something they would have known right in that moment. But do you know if he was alive for that? Like, did they were they able to determine
3: um, that co- becomes more important a little bit later on? Okay, okay. Um, there's conflicting guesses about that from different Emmys, but there's one awesome. of them is more believable than the other, and that's like it's we'll that's get fine. to that's it. That's fine. <laughs> it's just that
2: that's where my mind immediately goes is just this idea of that would be the most hor- horrifying yeah.
3: thing to experience if you were alive. So after they found the bodies, they found the boys' bikes, which were 30 yards away. Um, and by this time, it was 3 p.m. The first body was discovered at one forty-five p.m. At 3.20, the coroner was finally called. See, that's bullshit. They didn't call the coroner until two hours after they had discovered the first body. So that's the first issue. The they just fucked, fucked up. The they just c- fucked up in that instance. Can they
2: call <laughs> from where they are? Like, I guess they called through their their thingy. They would have had to go on their thingy. I'm making a gesture like a CB radio thingy. Yeah, they would have had to go back to their car. But like, it was accessible. Yes. But they
0: probably had them on their. On their, I, I would assume. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, that's right. They and have their uniforms stuff like that. and even I'm just trying to CD think. Radios. 1993 was so prehistoric <laughs> in terms of hey, technology. Some people had cell
0: phones
3: back then. <clears> yeah, they and were like, even
0: mm. Uncle Shane's like a brick. Remember that? I always like used to think Morris's. it was so cool. Even if they
3: <laughs> couldn't call themselves from like the radio that they had or something, they were right by a bunch of houses. They were right by their police cars, okay, right yeah. outside of the wooded yep. area. So that just seems like completely irresponsible. The
0: Dunmiss, <laughs> hey on their you,
3: part. go call in the coroner <laughs> while we continue to
0: look at the scene right it takes yeah, one that's person what, to yeah. that's to what it. you're
2: taught in first aid and emergency response is you identify someone to call for help e- immediately exactly i mean they are the help but i'm sure they're also taught to identify someone to call for yeah, for
3: yeah. Other and help. with, with the <laughs> amount of officers that were there at the scene someone should have called <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll give it to you um but when the coroner arrived finally All three of the bodies had been removed from the water and they were found lying on the banks and the boys had already started to attract flies and other insects and um, larvae had started to appear in their noses and their eyes which just greatly hindered the ability to even find out the time of death. Um, Not to mention they were in the water and then taken out of the water so their bodies had started to decompose quicker and as well as the Arkansas heat in May it was extremely difficult for them to figure out the actual time of death. Yeah. So Gary Gitchell broke the news to the parents who were just waiting right outside of the woods Um, after the coroner had arrived. He'd like started to turn around. This is a weird thing that I found out. They'd already blocked off the area as soon as they found Michael Moore's body. But Terry Hobbs, as Gary Gitchell was starting to leave the woods, had come underneath the police tape and was like going to the crime scene. And then Gary Gitchell had to like turn him away and be like, don't go. We just found your son's body. There's, oh my God, in the Paradise Lost documentaries and in the West Memphis documentary, West of Memphis documentary, there's news footage of Gary Gitchell telling all of the parents.
0: I was just shocked <gasps> that that was even on the news. It, it's fucking crazy. I mean, they show, I can't remember which one of the it boys' was pa- mom It was Pamela who just like collapses, fainted, passes
3: out. I'm crying. I know. It's heartbreaking to see. She fainted and then she just starts screaming and has to be dragged away. It's fucking horrible.
2: And they put that on the news? And they the put news? that on the news.
3: I couldn't believe that they put that shit
0: on the news. I know. That's and I don't horrific. know how much they aired it, but it looked like news footage that was out there.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> um, so after the boys' bodies had been discovered, reporters picked up information from a police scanner and began reporting on the information that Gitchell had yet to tell the public. And they got a lot of information wrong. The main one being that they thought all three boys had been mutilated, but it was only Christopher Byers whose genitals had been mutilated. But they reported that it was all three and that there was some kind of like sexual misconduct that had occurred, which really fucked up the investigation a little bit later on. <laughs> yeah. On that horrifically sad note is where we're going to take our break. All right. Well, then... <laughs>
2: I might need another drink Um, to make it through the second
0: half of this
3: episode. Yeah. Um, This was the truly the worst part. As far as the murders murders. of the
0: boys, this was the worst part. Mm -hmm. The rest, you're just going to be fucking pissed. Mad. Uh, Oh, yay. So I've got that to look forward to. You do. (laughs) This is what I'm trying to say. Then those people
3: that have been (laughs) vaccinated. Yes, I know. Why do we I'm all so make confusing? the exact same noises? I know. It's like I was listening to one of the episodes. I don't remember which one. I think it was the Chowchilla one. Uh, and we all laughed and we went, Ha ah, at the end. <laughs> Every single one of us. It's ridiculous. We do that.
0: All right. Are not we it. ready to dive back into the story? All right. I mean, kind of. I think I, we're that, past. I
3: promise it will not be as horrifically graphic from here on out. That was the worst of it. Okay, so we're going to jump back in uh, with the investigation of this crime. So, as one would expect, the town of West Memphis basically exploded after the news broke about these three boys. Um, Everyone was very afraid, very confused, because West West Memphis is a pretty small town. (laughs) So they, like, didn't... (laughs) So
1: does West Memphis actually, like... Connect to Memphis, Tennessee,
3: or just it or is, is it separate? It's like r- right outside of Memphis, okay. so it's I don't I think it might technically be the Memphis metro area, but it is not in Tennessee it's in arkansas so it's like right on the border of where okay. the memphis city starts. so it's kind of like, like, it's like K- i was just gonna
2: say it's like casey mm-hmm. mo and kck yeah. yeah and so
1: people could bleed across the state line into the yeah. other town like i think yeah. john
3: mark's Byers when he used to own a jewelry shop and that jewelry shop was in memphis and not in okay. west memphis um yeah a lot of people would like go in between memphis and west memphis Um, So Gary Gitchell, the lead detective, as I mentioned earlier, he tried to reassure reporters and citizens that they would solve the murders as quickly as possible, which is a problem later on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's like, yeah, we'll solve the murders as quickly as possible. But that's sometimes an unrealistic thing to say. Yeah. Like we will do our best to find the people who committed this atrocity you know, well, expediently, but we're going to find the facts and the truth. Yes.
1: But, I'm sorry. I, mean, Foreshadowing. <laughs> but I mean, like. As quick as as possible is vague enough that it's still true. It could be That's two years true. from now and it was as quickly as possible. Yeah. Because they but I weren't think able to find It's what out your before. metric of possible is. Yes.
2: Like I can solve this, like it's possible, but it may not be accurate. It's well, like or I it's think, only possible to do it accurately in this amount of time.
3: I think his promise that it would be done quickly is what like a lot of pressure got put onto the police in West Memphis when it wasn't being solved within like a month. And so that. It really led them to like jump to a lot of conclusions that otherwise I don't think they would have totally. had they not been put under that pressure.
1: Well, and that happens a lot with kid cases. Like even yeah. if he hadn't made that promise, people are like,
2: "It's you know, like better they to want find vengeance. somebody, yeah, even
1: if it's the wrong person." Why yeah, haven't Why haven't you solved it yet? You know, yeah, for
3: sure. Um, Faux sure. <laughs> <laughs> So at the beginning, they were considering a wide range of possibilities for the murders including gang or cult-related activity, although Gary Gitchell had said that there was no immediate evidence of either one of those possibilities. He said that straight away, that there was no immediate evidence that it was cult or gang-related. However, the fact that he said that it was a possibility prompted a lot of rumors of Satanism and witchcraft to spread throughout West Memphis.
1: Mm-hmm. This was a satan- uh, at the end of Satanic, satanic panic. panic. Yeah, I was going to say, and yeah, that's like right... There and I'm, you and know, right in the Bible Belt too. Like I there
3: gotta, are a lot of
0: contributing factors. I gotta tell you that the more stories that I listen to and research, the more I really fucking hate Geraldo Rivera.
3: Oh my god, yeah, yes, I
0: just fucking Except, hate him. Fuck Except,
3: fuck
2: no, because his expose on the Willowbrook, Willowbrook State School brought so much awareness to the okay. institutions okay. of of where people with
3: various mental uh, Uh, disabilities or developmental disabilities were housed it like it started a movement he 100 percent exploited every single person in that docuseries that he did and he absolutely exploited them and like yes it brought attention to the fact that this was happening but i don't think he did it in a way that was actually trying to be helpful to these people I don't know that those people would think the same, though. Like, in the
2: 90s, Bernard, one of the people who was featured in the Willowbrook documentary, came on Geraldo's, like, talk show and talked through it. And Geraldo called him his friend. And, like, there were certain things, without a doubt, like, the way that it was like, yeah, but you're talking more than Bernard is and you should really give a voice to people with disabilities. Like, there are certain things that it's like he could have done better. But it was yeah. 1972 when he did the expose on Willowbrook State School And so it was just it was so yes, it it fueled his own career, but it also was very impactful on the world of people with disabilities.
1: And I was going to say, too, like, I'm not arguing for or against Geraldo Rivera. (laughs) I think everything he does is very sensationalized. But you also have to remember the times, too. The way things were approached in the 70s were way different than now. And I think we just have to be mindful that we're not that we're comparing apples to apples. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm
0: not commenting on his work in the seventies because I'm not familiar with that. And I wasn't familiar. I'm not familiar with him. Then I'm talking about the Geraldo Rivera of the late eighties, the early nineties panic, panic, Geraldo Rivera. He yeah. fueled, the satanic panic, yeah. he absolutely. rode on the coattails of these sad fucks that were in these sad situations. He absolutely contributed to the increase in false, like, r- memories of being in, and, like, he supported all the authors that had that sensationalism. And it's so sad to me, just the people that were hurt by it, that mm-hmm. nobody will even know their names the people that were yeah, hurt there's, by there's so many
3: examples and it wasn't
0: just him but he was a dick he was in a that. huge contributor he deserved every bit of karma that he got when he opened al capone's fucking cell or whatever and it was empty or vault do you remember that <laughs> yes, when it was on yeah. tv and it was empty and he was
2: shamed in front of everybody <laughs> <laughs> so okay then Sorry. i guess what i would say is <laughs> like all things I will encourage us to recognize that every being has both good and bad and everything is a spectrum of yes. of grays and, and not I'm, black and white. And I would say he was probably a dick and self serving in a lot of ways, but I still like what and he did. He may 70s. be a wonderful <laughs> man now. I don't I mean know. I, I he may I I be think an asshole that made
0: a big impact he may, in the seventies. I he don't know. be a think, Satanist.
1: Who knows? I think he was an What is an opportunist is what I want for sure. Absolutely.
3: I think I, I I stand by that. I think a lot of what he did was exploitative, whether or not it helped the people and was also exploitative is up for debate. But I I think like you said, he was very opportunistic, very self-serving, very exploitative to the people who like needed his help or like needed the media's attention in some way or another. And he like spun it in a way that was harmful. (laughs) That,
0: that talk show Fucking circuit, though back then that had to have been like working in a strip club, man. Just as far as like the negative influence and staying a good person in that kind of environment and how hard it was. You watched fucking Maury Povich fell. You watched fucking Jenny. What was her name? I used to watch all those talk shows: Montel Williams, Ricky Lake, (laughs) Ricky Lake fall. They used to do stories of the people that were interesting and they would help people. And then they just became, you know, a lie detector. Yeah. You're not mm-hmm. my baby's daddy. And right. just exploiting people's pain. And it was it like... It started
2: from a genuine good place of like combination of like journalism and human interest.
0: Exactly. For all of those people. And I loved and watching ended, those. When yeah. Bell was... A, even when Belle was a baby, they were starting to become more sensationalized and stuff. But they had good stories and good people. Mm-hmm. And they made you feel...
3: And then they just became yeah. circuses. Anyway, um, bringing it back tangent. to <laughs> Satanic Panic, in 1991, the FBI actually did a study that a lot of different like police forces across the country would come to them and be like, here's all these instances of Satanism in our county and in our state. Not a single murder was ever attributed to Satanism. Mm-hmm. And that was like right at the end of Satanic Panic, I would say, like early 90s. And it was just insane. Like John Douglas from the FBI, he's vaguely involved in this case later on. And he was like, they would come to us and they would truly believe that there was something satanic going on in their town, but there was absolutely no evidence of it. Well, think about the rumors
1: here about Riverdale. Yeah. Like, when I was in high school in the 90s. And it was always a Satan cult, cult out there. and robes and... And I'm not saying that that road
0: isn't haunted and there's not something out there, but there was that, that like, trend to turning it, turn and, it and into yeah. something satanic. It's just like right. that paranormal state, that one show. I liked the show until every haunting became... Uh, a demonic possession,
1: yeah, you know, yeah.
0: and then it's
3: like, no, it's not all demonic. Well, and especially in <laughs> states like Arkansas, cities like West Memphis, yeah. places in the Bible Belt where God mm-hmm. is so real to these people, Satan yeah. is just as real. Yeah. And so that satanic panic—why it might be silly to like some people who a are not Christians or. B, live in a bigger city where it's like that's not as common here to those people it's so fucking real it's real well
1: and in those small towns too it's so easy to kind of fuel that uh mob you know yeah. that yeah. mob panic that you, mob mentality that's the word i wanted that mob mentality because they're small they know almost everybody yeah. there and mm-hmm. they're all talking to each other and rumors are flying around and and there's not a lot of out
0: Side influence to bring in some reason or a different perspective. Everybody kind of has
1: the same way of looking at things. Think about where Granny lives. Imagine if they found these
3: three boys there today. Even that's what I thought the whole time. I was like Arkansas, like West Memphis, Arkansas is bigger than Arkansas is, and I was like, I know Arkansas. I know the way that people act there. Like if this had happened there it would have been insane. Yeah. <laughs> Especially back in the 90s. In the 90s, of
1: course, yeah. There's possibility they still might have tried to handle it themselves. themselves yeah. Instead of going to <laughs> trial
3: and stuff. Like, All right. So um, these rumors of Satanism and witchcraft weren't helped by the West Memphis police. Not all of them initially believed in it. A lot of them were like, yeah, yeah, whatever, we'll investigate other areas first. But later during this case, this case was given a case number and the number, the the end of the case number was 666. Gary Gitchell, the lead detective, that fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say that with a grain of salt because in the beginning he really tried, but there's a certain point that we will reach where it, you can't forgive him for what he did. It's Driver that I have a hard time I, forgiving. I, I have absolutely no sympathy for Jerry Driver. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
1: We'll get into him. That sounds like a fake name for someone who just drives a car. Like Jerry Driver <laughs> going down the road. <laughs> he gets to a stoplight. It's
2: like the sort of name that J.K. Rowling would have given yeah. a driver,
1: <laughs> in a her night books. bus driver. Yeah, exactly. Hold on, Kelly. <laughs>
2: yep.
0: Were you gonna say something, Kelly? She I just don't know. said okay. something. <laughs> Anyway, before before you said something, she looked like she was going to say something. I
2: don't know. I was, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Hannah, go. She's not taking notes. She can't remember.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> went in my nose laughing, but it's true. Oh, it burns almost as much as hot sauce. Uh,
3: <laughs> nope, not even close. Okay. Um. So it later came out that this case number was doctored. And while it was 666 to the public, it was supposed to end in 555. So... And Gitchell said that it was total coincidence initially. He was like, oh, it's a coincidence that it's 666. It just so happens to be our 666th case this year. But it came out that it was supposed to be 555. So they doctored it in order to play up the satanic panic in the uh-huh. area. Ridiculous. It's really <laughs> no, ridiculous. It's
2: coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Wing, and just wing. the, the Now you're going to think it's it. definitely satanic if it's coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah.
3: Um, So Jerry Driver, as we mentioned, uh, and Steve Jones, who we mentioned earlier, who was there when the bodies were discovered, they were both juvenile correctional officers who really jumped on the satanic and witchcraft angle. They were like the biggest proponents of it. They weren't even in in the police force, which I think is really funny, but they were like really pushing it to the police. But they have their reasons. Yeah. (laughs) I think anyway. Um, So Driver and Jones would do monthly drives during the full moons trying to catch occultists in the act. Before (laughs) or after this happened? Before and during. Jerry Driver drove
0: out along the streets picking up teenagers that he thought looked funny and were up to no good. Saying that
3: they were occultists so that he could give them shit and harass them. He had a list of children of like children and teenagers who he thought were involved in the occult and uh, among the people that were on it Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miss Kelly were all on it mm-hmm. and so Jerry Driver absolutely from the get go was like it's them um, those are the people that were arrested mm-hmm. yes Steve Jones actually um, I meant to say this earlier and I forgot when the bodies were discovered and Steve Jones was there he said "Damian finally killed somebody right away Zero evidence. He was just automatically like it was Damian Eccles.
2: I'm starting to suspect that those who were convicted did not <laughs> actually <laughs> commit this
1: murder. Oh man. Interesting. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> Never be a suspense writer, Hannah, because I think you'll unintentionally <laughs> give it away with your anger. I have. I been know. Able I'm just so mad.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, me too. It really I was guess,
1: your face. You were just like,
2: he went before right away. I, he knew, and I was just like, oh, he I should if not,
3: done I guess that? I should say at this point that I am in the camp that none of these kids that were convicted were guilty. Mm-hmm. I am in
0: the same camp. Okay. Very strongly, very strongly, I'm very <laughs> strongly, not like in a making of a murderer. There is uh, There are things in that which make uh-huh. me think maybe there is innocence there, but I'm not convinced because yeah. there's also some other shit that's kind of weird. Right. I do think that like definitely the police use tactics that they shouldn't have, that they went outside of their, you know, their jurisdiction or their Which is uh, something that is similar regulations. in this case. <laughs> mm. But in this case... I would 100%, 100%, 100% say that these kids didn't fucking do it.
2: Okay, then for the sake of, um, I don't know, shits and giggles, I'm going to adopt (laughs) the stance that they absolutely did it. And I'm going to wait to see the information that comes and see if my mind has changed. I mean... F these kids. They're occultists. <laughs> I don't actually think that occultists... I don't... Not, I Even don't Satanists say aren't are, bad. No, right. Like, I feel like I'm not... But they are murdering Satanists. Okay. And they're messed up kids, and they did it
1: change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Well, one of the things that stands out to me too though is that this juvenile detention officer clearly was aware of this damien kid. So yes, that leads I'll get me into to believe that, that he, there so there might be a reason oh. whether the cop should have or not. There might be a reason that he yeah. went straight. There. Yeah, he knew. Yes. He I, knows this kid. I will He get knew into. exactly what he was capable of. But these of. are also <laughs> the creepy people who just tried to find cultists. Yeah. Because they knew they were out there. Um, That's right. He's yeah. just
3: trying to keep the world a better place. This is fun. I you're like this. you're right on the nose, Jess. Um, Jerry Driver knew Damian Eccles and Steve Jones knew um, Jason Baldwin. Jesse Miss Kelly, poor Jesse Miss Kelly, was just, like, dragged into all of this. He wasn't really involved. He wasn't really friends with Damien or with Jason. He just got fucking dragged into it. He or was just easy he? to manipulate. Yes, or he was very was easy he? to manipulate. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I think as soon as I start talking about Jesse, you're going to change your tune. Okay, um, <laughs> okay so... Jerry had an obsession with Damien. Steve Jones basically had an obsession with Jason. Damien had been arrested as a younger kid because he and his girlfriend at the time had broken into an abandoned trailer. They were, like, making a pact to run away together, but neither of them had a car. And so they broke into a trailer, and they, like, started messing around because they were teenagers and they were dating. So Jerry Driver came and... Came upon them in the trailer and they were both charged with burglary, although they didn't even steal anything. They just broke in, so it should have just been breaking and entering. Mm -hmm. And Damien was charged with sexual misconduct. Even though they were just making out and the the girl that he was with wasn't charged with anything. Even I thought she was charged with the same, but she was released. That might be it. She might have been charged, but she didn't go to prison. But but she was released like immediately, and he was put on like a 72-hour hold or something. That is separate. So Jamie Er or Damien, (laughs) Jamie, and I almost said, (laughs) (laughs) Damien, uh, he went to the prison. I don't know if he was like arrested and like went to juvie or not, but he was in the prison when Jerry Driver overheard that Damien was going to get his girlfriend pregnant and sacrifice their baby to Satan. And that is what caused Jerry Driver to take Damien himself. He drove Damien himself to a psychiatric hospital in Little Rock.
2: So he heard this, or this is, like, the report of he, what, like, he, he said he, he heard this? He and said then...
3: he heard it. I don't know if Damien said it and was, like, being a smartass, because he was, like, a fucking weird goth kid. And he was okay. a smartass. And ass. he was definitely he a even later ass. admits that his, like, attitude didn't help the he situation. He said a lot of shit that, like, didn't help when these people legitimately thought that there were Satanists running around. Mm-hmm. But Because he... I think...
2: The, the, like the response of like hearing someone say that they're going to sacrifice their baby to Satan, taking them to a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Like I'm not against that, but
0: yeah. And I understand that all of the kids thought that this was just bullshit that was going to blow over because oh. they were innocent. and They, they trusted honestly in the justice system enough. And so they were, you know, especially Damien was yeah. a smart ass. He's a very, very smart individual. And he's one of those was one of those weird outcast kids from a shitty fucking home that was interested in wicca magic and all of that kind of shit so it set him up apart but he was really smart you know and so he had that smart-ass attitude and like i said he admits that he probably yeah. shouldn't have okay. said some of the <laughs> okay. things
3: that he did uh, you know but i don't know for sure if that was one that he like actually had been reported as saying or if jerry driver just said that he heard it from somebody okay Anyways, when Damien was released from the psychiatric hospital, he and his mother went to Aloha, Oregon, which is where his biological father lived. So they went there for a while. Um, Jerry Driver was still harassing Damien in Oregon, and he was like calling probation officers in Oregon, saying that he was a Satanist, saying that he was into witchcraft and like all of this stuff that doesn't seem necessary to like call a probation officer in a different state when you—that's not a child that you have to worry about anymore. They don't live in your state. It sounds like somebody should have driven him to the psychiatric ward
1: <laughs> for oh. observation because he's clearly obsessed. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Nowadays, Nowadays, I think he would be laughed out of the station oh, if yeah. he went in oh, and yeah. was like,
1: hey, "He's a Satanist and
0: this and that," but. Satanic panic. I know. But, Thanks,
3: Geraldo. But like <laughs> he's clearly got like obsessive yeah. disorder. He's definitely yeah. obsessing over Damian equals
1: And Satanism. I and think Satanism there's a deeper, for sure. Like obsession with catching the cultists. And, yeah. Well, I'm sure that all ties into his own belief system and his own, like
2: mm-hmm. he really feels like he's doing God's work by trying to catch. Yeah. These Satanists, I think he
3: wanted know? to be like a, a witch hunter, like a real life modern day witch hunter. And he was like proud of wanting to be that. Oh, witch psyche, hunters are the worst. <laughs>
1: Psy- psychiatric observation.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying
1: I'm going to be a witch hunter. Ha. <laughs>
3: So when Damien was in Oregon, he had a bit of a mental break, and he was sent back to a psychiatric hospital in Oregon this time for threatening himself and for threatening his parents. He ha- he's had a lot of problems growing up. He was very depressed. He was never he never really had a history of violence or anything, but he was like a depressed goth kid. Wasn't like, he like <laughs> abused? And his he mom was, very was a drug abused. addict or yeah. something like that. And they and- were
0: dirt. Dirt Like, poor. all of these kids came from the yeah. poorest of the poor
3: in Arkansas, which is fucking poor, man. Yeah, like, nah,
0: seriously. They lived,
3: I think, on last podcast, they said they lived in the poorest neighborhood in one of the 10 poorest counties in the country. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. So... Damien, after he was released from the psychiatric hospital in Oregon, he came back to Arkansas because his parents kind of gave up on him, which is so sad. Like, he was obviously having mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he got out, they were like, go away. Um, so he came back to Arkansas and he was immediately met at the bus station by Jerry Driver.
1: What an yeah. asshole! <laughs> yeah. Isn't yeah. that fucking like, ridiculous? The fact that he... Investigated enough to know he was coming back on a bus, yeah. And when the bus was getting there, like that's phone calls in 1993. That's like really, <laughs> it's not that's not Googling the bus schedule, like, no, yeah, you shit. have to work
3: hard to know. <laughs> <laughs> <So true. laughs>
1: like, that had to have been a lot of effort for him to know, yeah. when he was gonna get there to meet him. How yes. old was Damien when he came back? Um, to? at this point, Damien was. 18 was he was was either
0: 17 or 18 almost 18 if not 18 yes i think he was 17 almost 18 because i I think think that jerry driver then like took him under his wing and like made him do all this fucking shit and in that process he turned 18
3: but he didn't stop so there were um like certain stipulations he was on probation there were certain stipulations jerry driver arrested him when he got back into arkansas saying that he had broken these stipulations when in actuality i don't think he he did no I don't um think so. i think the one thing was that like he called he had his sister call his ex-girlfriend who was arrested with him and then he ended up talking on the phone with her for like two minutes and like that was the thing that got him arrested again um, and then Jerry Driver was like, you have to get your GED. You have to do all of this stuff mm-hmm. in order to get off of probation. And yep. he did it all. Mm-hmm. And he was still on probation afterwards. Even
0: <laughs> though he had turned 18 Aww. during the process. So he shouldn't have even been under Jerry Driver's yeah. whatever Juris- jurisdiction. jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> because, thank you, Kelly. Because he would go to a different court system. He's an adult yeah. now. so And it should all be expunged off his and record it if be, it's not a felony. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting how... Yeah. He was so fucking obsessed. How are you leaning, Kelly?
2: I mean, you know what I do for a living and where my, like, yeah sensibilities yeah. lie? Is that an expression? I think yes. so. So you can guess where I'm, but <laughs> no,
3: F that kid. <laughs> oh, we'll get, we'll get to Jesse in a second. I'm yeah. still <laughs> reserving
1: judgment because just because someone is overzealous in pursuing what they think is right does not mean that the person is innocent yeah of what they're accusing them yeah, of so there can I'm be still, multiple wrongs in this situation uh, so i'm still reserving judgment for more evidence and all of that being overzealous
0: okay. about something doesn't make you wrong about it it just, yeah. just makes your approach it just wrong. makes, they makes you could all be assholes <laughs> yes.
2: every single one
3: of them that fits in my worldview i don't know but <laughs> all right so we're going to move on from jerry driver to steve jones Um, who was also a a juvenile correctional officer. He had met Jason Baldwin when Jason was arrested. I think he was like 12 or 13. He was arrested for vandalism. And since he was arrested... Because Jason Baldwin was also just a weird dude. He liked like Metallica and heavy metal and he had a mullet and like, <laughs> well, and he, he was best friends with, he was Damien, best friends with Damien and Which like they already knew about Damien. So they assumed Jason would be the same because yeah. he was friends with him.
1: I mean, but like 1993, having a mullet and listening to Metallica seems kind of mainstream. Not in West Memphis, <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas. No, <laughs> Even here,
0: George being a metalhead and listening to all that shit would catch shit from people about how he was this satanist and stuff like that which is hilarious yeah it's fucking hilarious like, if you
1: listen to the words of so many of those heavy metal songs like we're not talking death metal or black metal
3: just metallica yeah, I know. they're just
0: sad <laughs> No shit, they're just
1: sad
3: and depressed right <laughs> um steve jones started asking jason baldwin if he was starting a cult, he was like, I heard you're starting a cult. And then when Damien came back from Oregon, he was straight up like, oh, so I heard that you and Damien are starting a cult. And he would like come and harass him about this constantly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining like the
1: mullet, heavy metal cult. Like... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's just funny it to me sad
3: poetry like, <laughs> it's kinda like last
0: night when I'm picturing like the animated version of our lives right. or like of, of certain events I just can picture like these two dirthead kids one a little more goth hanging out on the curb in front of one of their houses and here
1: comes Jerry Driver and Steve Jones they're like oh roll their He's eyes like, you know like Beavis like, and Butthead yeah, or something yes. Yes. I'm totally imagining Jason is the second yeah. kid right in like cut off jean shorts <laughs> because it's ninety three, like uh-huh, you said yeah. in West Memphis, Arkansas. Cut off arm sleeves, <laughs> yep. you know, like
2: muscle mullet. shirt. Yeah. Oh,
1: I like this visualization.
2: There, can you imagine his
3: cult helpful. now? Like, yeah. there's there, videos of his mullet, and I gotta say, it's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful mean, mullet. So beautiful. <laughs> so as I as we mentioned earlier, there's Jerry Driver and Steve Jones had like that list of kids and damien and jason were on it and so was jesse miss kelly and the reason that jesse miss kelly was on it is because he had spiked hair or something that is literally what jerry <laughs> driver said this is so fucking spiked hair so or something mad. it's funny but it makes me mad
1: like a mohawk like i don't even think in the like way of the just like spiked, spiked hair. hair that
0: people would have you know they'd like have the that liberty church, kind of like or... the spiked crew cut no, I so don't even short, think it was like so
2: short punk. spikes. Yeah. This it was ninety three. Like... This was before the spiked beach
1: blonde hair of the late nineties. So <laughs> yes. any spiked hair was obviously automatically satanic. a Satanist. So, <laughs> so he put gel in his hair. Yeah, yeah, right. and didn't slick it back all yep. the way. Yep. Yep. and he was a Satanist. <laughs> he also he also was obviously. a fighter.
3: There, he was yes, a fighter. They he, knew about him because he he wasn't violent. He was a fighter because he was 5'1" and weighed like 120 pounds or something
2: i'm 5'1 and i used to weigh 120 he was a pounds. tiny
3: tiny kid and he got, and picked, he got on. picked on and his father was abusive to him like very physically Oh, abusive. i thought he loved his dad he did no, he really loved his dad. Think his dad no was there's he, he was
0: abusive to him oh i didn't see that he still loved That's his dad i mean because he me really would sad. do anything for his dad but i think it was a lot also of that a little slow
2: Yes, that is mm. something. And with abuse comes a lot of complex emotions. You can, uh, yes, I, mean, I think most, I mean, that's called complex trauma. Mm. Yeah. Well,
0: and he, c- I just didn't know that. I didn't see that part. I thought he was like one of the few that didn't come from like a abusive no. drug. All of the kids came yeah. from abusive dr- well, drug One I in mean, the addictive. poorest of the poor. In, I mean, in including Arkansas. the three kids that were murdered. I think yeah. all of them had yeah.
1: abusive and
0: drug addiction and all of that. Wow.
1: Well, and like with abuse, like you made the comment that, um, jesse would do anything for his dad yeah it's that searching for approval there's yeah that's what i was gonna say like that internal monologue of he hits me because i need to be better He yeah so and And that's what complex
2: trauma is Mm -hmm. is the the simultaneous like caregiver who's supposed to be keeping you safe is the person causing your trauma and then therefore you have these complex emotions about Loving yeah. and also simultaneously being fearful. And then you do internalize a lot of
3: that. Yeah. It's messed up. Okay. So even though Driver and Jones were convinced of the satanic nature of this case, not all of the police department was convinced initially. Um, Gary Gitchell. Wait, initially? Initially. <laughs> oh, my uh, Changed. Changed later on. <laughs> uh, Gary Gitchell initially was looking into other possibilities. Like, he went to a Vietnam veterans who had had their penises cut off because he thought... The way that the boys were tied was like similar to how Vietnam vets had been captured in like prisoners So, someone living out their own trauma. And yeah. okay. Um, he also looked at a doctor who was performing gender reassignment surgery without a license because of that like genital connection. But ultimately, neither of those came back with anything, obviously. Uh, otherwise, I don't think we would t- be talking about this case today. <laughs> <laughs> so, the West Memphis PD fucked up a lot of stuff and like that's yeah. not even a question like they just did they fucked up a lot of stuff one of them being mr bojangles which we mentioned earlier which was the bleeding black man that was ultimately never investigated they did collect samples of the blood from the walls and were supposed to send them in for testing but there is no record of them and ever they being lost tested. them they lost them yeah which even if it wasn't connected to this crime that's a faux pas it's still a crime i'm sure <laughs> like, yeah, why bleeding? is he bleeding is he yeah. bleeding
2: self-inflicted okay good let's finalize that wrap up that case is he you know bleeding because something happened where's the blood yeah and from? the
3: fact that it happened the night of the murder is like 30 minutes after the first parent had reported one of the children missing like there's a very strong possibility that it could be connected mm-hmm. there were also other possible subjects suspects Chris Morgan and Brian Holland, who weren't fully investigated. They were two teenagers who also lived in West Memphis, um, who had a bunch of drug charges against them. I'm pretty sure. And four days after the murders, after the bodies were discovered, they left for Oceanside, California. Like they just dipped, didn't come back. Mm -hmm. Um, While in Oceanside, they had been arrested for something else, and they were questioned about the murders in West Memphis. And Chris Morgan, one of the teenagers, had said that he might have killed the three boys. But then he immediately (gasps) recanted that, and he went on to say that he was like on drugs, he had used a lot of drugs, he had drank a lot of alcohol, so he could have blacked out and he could have done it without knowing it. Oceanside police immediately contacted West Memphis PD. They sent blood and urine samples. There is no evidence of it ever being tested from either of the kids. (laughs) So that was just a dead end that like even Oceanside police was like, you need to investigate this. Uh They could have possibly involved be involved in these murders. And they West Memphis police didn't do anything didn't about it. Didn't do it. it. And well. it could have at least just uh, ruled them
2: out as suspects yeah. and strengthened their case. Exactly. Uh, even. But I it think, was but never even But they just did explored.
0: nothing. By you
1: know. that point, they already right. had it in their mind.
0: Yeah. yeah. They,
1: they thought they'd already winnowed down. Wi- winnowed? Hmm. So nope. Is that the right? Nope. Word? I'm sorry. <laughs> sure is it. I don't know what the word is. So no, now I, I can't think of it. Whittle, whittle down. Says, whittle no, down. That's not yes, right, Whittle down
0: like you whittle, you whittle like you whittle something. You whittle something like you whittle something with wood but and a knife. I don't whittle <laughs> it down.
2: <laughs> that doesn't sound
0: whittle. right. But you okay. whittle
2: it. There's no H in whittle.
0: Yes, there is. But, whittle. Well, no, it's not.
2: It's W I D D L E, isn't it? Whittle.
1: No, it's W H I T T L E. Like It's like not even close. to Whittle. What is whittle? That's as bad as my winnowed. <laughs> W-H-I-T-T-L-E. <Yeah. laughs> is, is how you whittle. <laughs> oh,
0: well, there's... There,
2: <laughs> there's the hot, <thereafter> hot rod reference,
3: and we're going to get right back into it. All righty. So. Oh, also, Chris Morgan could have possibly known all three of the victims because he used to drive an ice cream truck in West Memphis creepy. Oh, then he's yeah. automatically
0: guilty. <laughs> Sorry, I know that Jerry Driver and Gitchell and Jones are all like, assume it's Satanists that did it. You know, Satanists, they must have murdered kids if they're
3: Satanists. If he drives an ice cream truck, <laughs> you're a murderer. absolutely <laughs> murdered somebody. <laughs> um, another issue that another problem with the West Memphis PD is that they really only looked into one of the parents in this case, uh, which was John Marks Byers. They also kind of looked into Melissa Byers. But uh, there was a study that I saw that like half of child murders are perpetrated by the parents. So even if you don't think... That there is a reason to investigate the parent, you would think that they would investigate the parent even a little bit just to rule it well, out. Because they always of the fucking, investigate
0: the spouse. They exactly. always investigate
3: the parents now. And, and you're now, not yeah. saying
2: you
1: think the parents did it, but you're saying that that was a part of their job. Yes, that is they to did rule not out even the question them because that's what like it's not so much about finding who did it; it's at the, people at out. the beginning. It's figuring out who didn't do it. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Sorry. and like they, they, only the only person they really ever focused on was John Marks Byers. Oh, I
1: have a question. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> um, Melissa Byers, so Byers were the ones who called
3: second, right? At like they, nine. Uh, John Marks Byers called first. Dana Moore called oh, second. Oh, why
1: did I think you said Melissa? Okay. Thank you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Melissa didn't call anyone.
0: And then Pam Haas didn't call until until like well, 930-ish.
1: Even though he didn't discover the bodies, they do say that like the person, it's kind of like the he who smelt it dealt it in the murder world. <laughs> like the person who <laughs> discovers it is uh, is often involved in some way. Maybe he reported them right away because he knew they were already... And, and he's trying to take himself I, out of suspicion or he's trying to
3: mask it. You know, mm-hmm. he thinks like... I don't want to, like, obviously it's important to, like, say how John Mark Spires could have been involved, but I feel really bad for that man because, Mm -hmm. especially in the Paradise Lost documentary and the second one, they fucking tear him apart. And they are like, Basically saying that he did it, he did it. And it's, like, really sad because they're falling into the same trap that everyone in West Memphis fell into with the three boys. They're like, they did it. We have no substantial evidence. We just know because of the way that this guy is. And he's, like, Mark Byers is, like, a weird dude. He's, like, six feet tall. He's big. He's, like, a, a, a hick, I guess. And so, like, especially to the people who are on, like, Damian, Jason, and Jesse's side – they tend to be people outside of Arkansas and so more of like the quote unquote liberal. And so they view these like hickish people, quote unquote, the same way that Arkansas viewed all of these goth kids. Right. So we have the goths
2: versus the hillbillies (laughs) going on right now. Yeah, a little bit. And a lot of stereotyping and judgment on all sides. Yeah. Hmm.
0: so I, sure. I, I
3: try to lay off on John Marks buyers. like there are certain things that like yes it's suspicious but but he has an alibi too yes. he has yeah. a very hardcore See, alibi that's
1: all I want are the mm-hmm. facts <laughs> the facts exactly <laughs> I'm just going off what I know so far no I
2: love this Jess and I are gonna like <laughs> well more <laughs> Jess I said it was gonna be me but in reality I'm, I'm kind of like soft but Jess and I and mostly Jess are gonna make sure you prove this to us and not prove but convince us go
1: where the facts lead us yeah
3: what they should have done initially. Um
1: it's <laughs> what they should do every time every they time. investigate a crime. Yeah,
3: you know justice being just. Hmm, what <laughs> a concept. Both of the buyers were well-known police informants for the West Memphis PD and Mark Byers was a small-time drug dealer, which I think is part of the reason that they were the only two police or the only two parents that were investigated by the police because they had that connection to the police already. Byers also had an ex-wife before he married Melissa and their relationship was pretty volatile. John Mark Spire's ex-wife had custody of his two children and he also had been convicted of terroristic threats against his ex-wife, uh, which I think is like, that is what leads a lot of people who are like, he did it to be like, he was a violent person, uh, but uh, which like I get, but like also, I don't know. I don't know. But, <laughs> but, I mean, there's, there's motive in that too. Like he was doing that because he yeah, wanted to see where his there was no motive and, to like, him yeah. killing his son. And in fact, yeah. those motives would be against each other. Exactly. I mean. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's wildly irresponsible for the West Memphis PD not to look into all of the parents. And I'm going to put this little snippet in here, especially Terry Hobbs, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. is the stepfather of Stevie Branch. We can get into that later. <laughs> we will. We will get very into that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kelly's going to have to listen. I know you will. <laughs> so another issue was that no notes of any of the initial interviews were ever taken. So even with, like, Damien and Damien's initial interview with the police, there are no records of it. Um, there are yeah. no records of any of the interviews with the parents initially. Like, they just didn't take notes. They have a real problem with a paper trail. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, nothing.
0: Or and they the- don't
3: have waivers
0: allowing um, them to speak to the underage kids oh, yeah. and stuff like that. That's an issue.
3: Alone? Yeah. They didn't yep. have anybody present no with waivers, them? No waivers, uh. no lawyer, no parents present, none of it. No child advocate? Yeah. Another issue that happened was the medical examiner's office took almost a month to give the autopsy reports to Gitchell and his team. So they were out there searching for people, not even knowing how these kids died. Wow. And, like, so how are... Like, this is where I have some sympathy for them. It's like, how are you supposed to do a correct investigation what questions do you even ask when you have no fucking clue how these kids died
0: and it also leads to the imagination you know to start
1: creating cult and satanic things because you have no evidence Mm -hmm. and for media to run with it yeah but I don't know if you can fault the medical examiner for how long they took because you said this was a county that's like the poorest Mm -hmm. i can fault him for other reasons (laughs) i'm just saying that (laughs) just wait (laughs) with the information i know one month to get the report on three different kids like in a
3: well i don't know how long it normally takes for an autopsy report to come back i know it's longer than like most people expect it to be but
1: Sorry, I was just going to say, I do
2: start feeling the sense of, in a lot of these cases, like like this and just, you know, sad instances where things weren't done well. It's like multiple breakdowns of a system. So, yeah. like, it sounds like we don't really know yet. We're not convinced as to what the coroner, you know, what their situation
3: was. But in multiple places, breakdowns yeah. prevent
1: people from moving. It's,
3: it's incompetency in a lot of different areas.
1: <laughs> and I think it sounds like some of it, too, those trying to make yourself look like you know what you're doing and you're doing a good job like if you say i'm not looking yet because i don't know
3: how they died i need more information so the arkansas state police had offered to assist in this um whole investigation but the west memphis police declined their offers there are two possible reasons that this could be Um, It could be due to the state police releasing information to the public without the permission of the West Memphis police. So they kind of like fucked up on that end where they were releasing shit to the public that should not have been released yet, like very early in the investigation. Uh Or it could be due to the fact that the Arkansas state police were investigating the West Memphis police. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, snap. They, They were investigating them. There was it was on like drug charges. And there was a whole (laughs) narcotics team task force in West Memphis. There was an undercover officer who ended up getting killed. There was an undercover officer who was like selling drugs that he had seized in order to buy himself drugs. And I think that officer was like buried with honors and like they were hiding a lot of it. And the Arkansas State PD was like trying to investigate that. So they were like, no, thank you. They were investigating, like, a lot of different corruption, too. It's wild. That is crazy. <laughs> so while Gitchell didn't initially lean into the occult angle, others poli- other police officers did, and a lot of that was at the behest of Jerry Driver and Steve Jones. Pile Driver. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Damien was questioned within 24 hours of the bodies being found. And like we mentioned earlier, there were no initial notes of this entire interview. And that, I think, is where we will end for today. We'll get in the next time. But how will I know whether or not to believe that
2: (laughs) these kids are innocent? You'll just have to listen.
1: I guess. (laughs) I won't. Or ditch mom and stay. That's true. I'm not ditching mom. (laughs) Well,
0: it's been a good story so far. Yeah. It's very intriguing. There's a
2: lot. There's so much. (laughs) And this is something that, you know, I've heard about, but I don't know all these details. So Mm -hmm. it's very exciting for me to, maybe exciting is the wrong word because it's kind of messed up. But it's interesting for me to hear more details about it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can move on to our
0: things that don't suck. Things that don't suck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) nobody knows not here
0: (laughs) that's funny
2: who wants to go first i'll go first because i know what mine is what's that my thing that doesn't suck is that my sister jessica is in a podcast with me that hasn't happened in a really long time that we've both been here so that doesn't suck i like being on podcasts with both my both my sisters yeah sisters reunited who's
1: next i don't know if anybody can follow that i mean i am pretty (laughs) awesome so
3: (laughs) that's right I, i have a thing that doesn't suck James and I's six years anniversary was yesterday. That's where right. And it was a lot of fun. Yay. And I fell asleep at five because I got very drunk when we went to dinner together.
2: You <laughs> <laughs> we went to lunch. When we went to lunch. Together. They're, not, they're not so old that they dinner at four. <laughs> <laughs> they're the age where they eat lunch at a normal time and then keep drinking until yes. four. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and
2: then fall asleep.
3: Yeah. Well, but then I woke up. I fucking woke up at like 1030 because I had fallen asleep at five and was basically up since then. <laughs> I hate that.
0: Uh. Well, happy anniversary, Hannah. (laughs) Thanks.
1: (laughs) My thing that doesn't suck is my daughter. And here's why this time. (laughs) So we went back to school shopping a couple days ago for clothes. And she's very particular in her style and often doesn't find a lot of things, you know. So I, But she's also very conscious of what her limit is. And so I told her, I'm not going to give you a limit before we go in like just grab everything you want and then we'll take stock of it but the whole time she was just so thoughtful and mindful of like oh I have a lot of stuff already I'm not sure I mean I kind of <laughs> like this but and I had to like grab everything and be like well try it on just take it all we'll figure it out <laughs> and so because of that I bought her everything that she picked out oh that's very cool She's a good kid. You have a good kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. She doesn't suck
2: for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She also told me she was going to be here today, and I was really sad when I saw you pull up and
1: did not (laughs) see her. She she was so tired, so we didn't get home till like 11 last night. She also might be a little feeling not great because she did
2: 10 sauces last night <laughs> yeah. too yeah. Oh, and man. that's right evie did finish the hot wings. the challenge. only thing
1: she didn't do was the last dab but she, she, she did the the she just didn't put extra on the last yeah, one yeah she did yeah. the last sauce just not extra um and she was like she was kind of moving around with the bomb but she was a lot i think she felt like she was trying to be tough and so she was <laughs> a lot she was less too. she was a lot less um demonstrative about yeah. how yeah. much the de bomb effect it her. makes me
2: so happy though because you would like i was like looking at her eyes and like seeing her eyes and i've known her for her whole, whole life so i kind of know what's going on behind her eyes not always and then she'd be like it doesn't even hurt that bad and i'm like honey i'm seeing your eyes <laughs> like, and maybe i mean without a doubt matt and i were talking yesterday about how like she like she did it like she did way more than i thought so like no like
1: Props to her without a doubt. Yeah. But it probably hurt a little more than she was letting off. Yeah. Um, My favorite thing with her, though, was as it got towards the end, she's like, I'm full. I don't want to eat any more chicken. Like, it wasn't (laughs) even the spiciness. She's just like, I'm full. Her (laughs) tiny stomach that she has. She killed it without a doubt. She was
2: great.
0: So my thing that doesn't suck is um, that we went up to Wyoming this last uh, weekend and spread Rick's ashes or as George likes to unceremoniously say dumped Rick's ashes. Oh he, my God. Says it, he
2: says it every time to everybody that he talks to. I feel like Rick would be all right with that. I'm yeah. sure he would and nobody ever seemed like it was
0: weird but every time he said it I would cringe and then I found myself saying it a couple times like no, no, we spread, spread his, his ashes <laughs> off of the, a beautiful side of a mountain up in Wyoming at Bennett Peak um, in the same place where his dad's ashes were spread. And it was just a really nice experience. Everybody was there, his sister and um, brother-in-law and his mom and dad and Ifer. And it was just, Mm. and a bunch of other people that I didn't really know. And all the guys went up. Mark and Jeff and Mike were there. It was kind of fun when we got there. Derek was like, so we stayed in these cabins in this really small town. And Derek was talking to us on the phone while we were getting close. He's like, yeah, we're already here. We're in the cabin. I'm going to go across the street to the bar. There's a bar across the street. There's like (laughs) nothing there. Like two gas pumps with nobody manning them and a general store and a bar. And then these (laughs) cabins. And then there's like an RV park. But um, so we went across the street with him. He waited for us and we had a a beer and shot a game of pool. And then we were walking back to the cabins and there were these two like biker guys, like older, you know, like granddad's age grandpa's age <clears throat> and uh, they were sitting at the picnic table out in front and they're like hey guys come on over and they're like you know introducing themselves and started talking they're like sit down have a beer and so <laughs> they so gave weird. us all like a beer and then the boys were still at the or they'd gone to the cabin or they were still at the bar i can't remember but then they came over And sat down with us. And they kept bringing us beer. They'd be like, you want another? We're like, no, (laughs) we need to go to bed. It's fine. And then they'd come out with more beer and just hand us one. (laughs) And one of the guys was smoking. And I asked to bum a cigarette off of him, which had been doing really good. But I asked for one. So then for the rest of the night, he kept offering them to me. (laughs) I'm like, no, no. And he was kind of pushy. And we were up till 1 a.m. And then we had to get up early and go up to the... Campsite. It was kind of fun. I
2: just loved getting the text from Salem that they like made it to the cabin and like there's some guys, some older guys, yeah. buying who keep pushing beer on them or something like that. And I was just like, this is how a horror movie starts. <laughs> I read right? nothing from Salem until the next morning where she's like, oh no, we're live. It good. <laughs> it was just so late and I was
0: so tired and I didn't want to smoke that many cigarettes and drink that much beer, but it was fun. So that's my happy thought. That's good. Cheers to Rick. Yeah. Cheers to Rick. All right. So we're going to wrap this episode up. Hannah has to use the potty. I do indeed. Uh, So (laughs) She's she's
2: twisting over. (laughs) He'll be back
0: (laughs) with the next part of the West Memphis Three. Oh, Peace should out. we wait?
3: Should we plug our things again? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Peace out. Wait. <laughs> um, <laughs> k- email us at ffs the podcast at gmail dot com.
0: up family up story, family story time, time on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, we get notifications. We're not on there a lot, but promise you, if you send something to <laughs> we'll us, see we'll say something, something we'll back. See
1: yeah, <laughs> at, at least we think we get notifications if we're missing all of your messages you know we're sorry message harder
0: (laughs) that's right you didn't try hard enough all right thanks guys